Hello, fellow Switches. What's up, Switches Nation? This is Sara. And this is Zoe. How have you been, Zoe? Oh, how have I not been? <laughs> um, let's just say I've been working my ass off. Um, sorry for the explicitive there. Um, and school started and I forgot, you know, that there's seven days in a week now. <laughs> So it's been a little stressful, a little tiring. It's pretty much been sleep, eat, go to work, go to school. Like, well, on my computer, go to school. Eat and sleep. Yeah, that's just the pattern. How have you been? I have been great. Not sleeping at all. But um, at least I'm not overworking myself. I just have insomnia. No. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Today we're gonna take a look at marriage as it's portrayed in Motherland for Salem and how marriage is in the real world. We're also gonna talk about what moments we think are missing on the show and we have a little surprise for the ending. Marriage, this glorified example of displaying your love for each other. You've just been to a wedding. Well, yeah, and it's kind of like a glorified, like, showboaty way of showing your love for someone. I think a lot of it is, if you think about it, a lot of it is just like kind of like saying entitlement to someone's, you know, like, what you guys share, your property, you know, taxes, or if you get into a hospital or accident, you can say it's your spouse. Because I think in certain, I mean, you have to really think about it. In certain cultures, marriage is really crucial, really a big thing. While in other cultures, marriage is not a very common thing. You know, it doesn't define a person's love. And in theoretical, like, in theory, there are people who just date for their whole lives because they don't see the need to get married. Yes. I suppose the whole claiming aspect is sort of taken out of the picture in Motherland from with the whole five year kind of deadline um, cut off date for marriage and marriage is pretty much a contract to have kids because witches are going to die out if they don't procreate. What do you think of that? Do you think it's a better idea to take marriage five years of a time at a time? I think, okay, with the priority of creating children and all that, I don't think... I, I guess five years at a time is a more reasonable thing than saying for life. You're literally, your job is just to create children. But at the same time, why does it necessarily have to be in marriage? It seems like these people are fine just getting with the other, like as many people as they want. Because it like makes mm-hmm. them more powerful. I'd be like, just man, get it over with. Have a sex orgy, you know, like get it, get pregnant, <laughs> have children. Don't have to force yourself into marriage. Like I feel like. At that point, it's kind of an unnecessary ceremony, especially how how relaxed at um, Charvel's wedding and how Charvel felt about the marriage as well. She was, like, very nonchalant, you know? She was not really into the guy, but she was like, yeah, it's just a marriage thing. We'll be over in five years. And Abigail's like, how can you even do that for five years, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So, for their needs, five years, I guess, seems like a long time, but ideally for a marriage that's just based on reproduction, I feel like it's unnecessary from Mm -hmm. what they implied in the motherland, like, universe. That's a good point, actually. Uh, We still need an explanation as to why this contract of marriage is necessary when they're clearly very open in their relationships in general. And I was thinking that perhaps it has something to do with childcare. So like marriage sort of not necessarily forces, but kind of binds the men to stick around and take care of the children while the women go to war in an oversimplified version i can kind of see that but at like the same time if like i don't know maybe maybe they're trying to there's a sacred bonding which maybe that talks about maybe the strength of the child they're producing too Mm-hmm. You know, the possibility that maybe there's this, like, superstition that you're going to get a female versus a male, you know, that we don't know about um, as a practice because of clearly they would want more females in this situation because of the possibility of reproduction and the possibility of having more unit members, you know, just on the mm. field at a time versus having to have men who we have to send off to just, you know, making weaponry or participating in Beltane. I don't know about necessarily that, but what about the issue of lineage and, um, you know, family trees and all of that? Because there's, there's a big uh, focus on it and it's like they have a huge importance So perhaps marriage is to legitimate that and, in a way, bind it uh, with magic. Do you think marriage could also tie them down to be like, oh, we can, like, kind of what you were saying about a lineage is, like, we can keep track of the lineage. If If the females were sleeping around with just anyone, you know, we wouldn't be able to trace back who, you know, and the strength, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um. But also, it could be like, oh, this is a five-year contract. You're theoretically expected to have one baby every year. If we if we go on the principle of it takes them, like, you know, the gestation, I guess, period, <laughs> being nine months still, like, normally for a human, um, that they have to have, like, pretty much a child, like, once every year for the five years. Like, there's, like, an expectation of children they have to meet that we haven't found out about. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't think so, but there's that, they haven't if really there talked is, about they're really bad at it. <laughs> they're really bad at it, right? Would you prefer the five-year thing in real life? Or not five years necessarily, but like, would you rather marriage had a deadline? Sort of, that could be extended if you wanted to. But you know how people renew their vows? Yeah. What if, like, if you don't renew your vows, then they sort of expire. But you can't renew them. How would you feel about that in comparison to what we have now? Uh, I mean, partially, like, part of me, like, by 
just principle, I do believe that marriage should be harder and divorce should be easier just in general. Like there should be, mm-hmm. you know how yeah. like intense divorce can be. It takes a lot out of people. Yeah. It makes, you know, it makes even more like worse enemies a lot of times when it's not like both yeah. like kind of agreed upon. It's like battle of custody over things and even children, yeah. which is horrible. I think marriage if you're going to marry, there should be more hoops and challenges and divorce should be easier. But in the principle of like, kind of like the five-year contract, it's another thing. Like I said, marriage is kind of like a glorified tying of like, not in like trying to symbolize love when there are per- people who are perfectly fine dating for all their life. Like they understand how much they love, but they don't have to have like certain documents tied to each other. And for certain situations, like insurance purposes, things like that, marriage is definitely better off because you can claim people like, you know, your spouse or your children, like in scenarios, like it's better for sure. Mm-hmm. But like at the same time, it's like there are people who perfectly go their whole lives just being in love with each other, setting their own kind of limitations and boundaries without necessarily having to tie the knot. So I think it's a hit or miss depending on the people and the relationship that they're trying to have. Yeah, that makes sense. But you really don't want to answer my question, huh? I what meant it on a personal <laughs> level. <laughs> I just meant it on a personal level. Like, how would you personally like well, it? Like, would you prefer marriage last forever or marriage last until you renew it and otherwise it expires? <laughs> can it just be like a hit it, quit it kind of deal? So, like, no marriage whatsoever, no matter what? No, no, I'm joking. I think I'd be, I guess I'd be down for marriage, but there's a whole year process. Like, my minimum process is you have to date someone, first of all, I think a minimum of two to three years. I think you have to minimally live with someone for, like, a year before I would consider marriage, too, because it's, like, you have to... You have to know the inner workings of, like, jobs, commuting, living together, expenses, things like that. And then yeah. by that time, I feel like if you're in it for the long haul, you've you've already done, like, four or five years with me. Then, yes, I could be, I could be down for, like, the idea of marriage, possibly, because mm-hmm. you just suffered four or five years with me doing. Fair enough, yeah. I have, I kind of agree with what you said in the sense that... I don't see the point of marriage as a contract. As in, we could have, rather than have marriage, we could just have the very simple idea of if I choose to share my life with someone, I choose to give them certain uh access to my life. And that might include visiting me in hospital, it might include uh, inheritance and all that stuff but why does it have to be marriage why does it have first of all why does it have to be about a, a relationship and traditionally a romantic relationship or a sexual relationship why can't it be a friendship a, a different kind of bond and why does it have to be so complicated to rescind it like you said I agree that marriage should be harder and divorce should be easier as for motherland i do like the idea but also 
Yeah, uh, you made a good point about why do they need it. And now I'm curious. I do really think it could be because of the lineage, because there's a, a huge focus on the matriarchal lines and marriage could be a way to sort of magically bind the children I suppose to the line and perhaps without marriage they wouldn't have that kind of magical link I guess that could be an explanation and it would be cool Mm -hmm. to see that more like have it explored and explained a bit more do we um also i'm just wondering now i'm a little curious bringing it up do we know how long um that rael's mom and dad were like i guess married or unofficially married like how did that work with a civilian and how did that contribute maybe Mm -hmm. to her abilities or thing like that if it helps maybe nurture the child in their you know Mm -hmm. their own abilities themselves because if that's the case if they've been married for so long they pass the five-year contract they screw you know screw the contract they didn't do a traditional you know which mm-hmm. is marriage then how does that impact is that why maybe partially it contributes to rail's powers or something you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that's curious my sort of headcan for that was that they did get a witch marriage and I kind of just interpreted it as within five years, like the marriage can end, but doesn't have to. Like tradition says that it should end, but like it's not a must. Like you can continue, continue and stay married. So perhaps Willa and Edward's Ed, Edward, Edwin, Edwin. No, you always call him Edward, and now I'm confused <laughs> too. It's Edwin. Anyway, perhaps uh, Willa and Edwin chose to remain married. But yes, we do need to know more about everything. And once again, for the millionth time, we need a guide. We need a guide book to be published about Motherland. I need to. I need this to be like a subject that I can graduate on in. Or you can start a whole college degree. (laughs) (laughs) Missing moments. First and foremost, I think Zoe wants to mention for like the fifth or maybe tenth time graduation. (laughs) Are we really going to start on this? Okay, so my issue, (laughs) my issue with the whole graduation thing is that we get this whole big deal about, you know, graduating to war college. Why are we doing basic training? They even had this point system at, like, the first, like, episode or, you know, second episode. And then, like, that's totally out the window. God knows how many times Rayel had skipped training. It's like, where's your point system now? We don't acknowledge. They were just like... F this, Rael just, you know, skips skips training so much we can't even have this point system anymore. But, like, they made City Drop a bit, like, longer in essence than they needed to in relation to possibly the graduation. They made a bigger deal of City Drop than, like, this idea of getting into war college, like, properly, I guess, categorizing them when they get into war college, the family member, like visiting and even like Rael's dad being there they they all shoved that in like in a 10 minute period and you're just like what the heck I don't know like 
<laughs> it was just frustrating to see a bit. Yeah, agreed. Another moment that I think we can both agree on is Bridie. Because Bridie's... Oh, do not whole... get me started! <laughs> Her whole relationship with Abigail, I really thought there would have been something there. I really thought they would have, you know, built on that and it would have then amounted to something for, I don't know, maybe the finale or or early season two, but they didn't. They didn't develop their bond. They no, gave us... they did not. They had them bonding yeah. towards the end, kind of like, oh, we come from different situations, but I would do anything for my unit, you know, for my sister. Yeah. I would do this. And we had this scene where she did gets, you know, she's driving them there. And then the next one is yeah. like, we just assume that she got punished. Like, I think they exactly. confirmed it, that she was punished, so she was taken off yeah. there. But, I mean, Abigail's PTSD and trauma doesn't stop there. So they yes. didn't even assign her another person, first of all. And then, yeah. when we have Witch Bomb, and she just shows back up for a scene, we don't even have them, like, make eye contact and be like, how are you? <laughs> like, they had these yeah. bonding scenes where they were fighting them. They were talking depth. And, like, for Abigail, it was really intense because it's something kind of like a bellwether doesn't do. She was taught to be, like, keep it all yeah. in. You're a bellwether. You have this appearance to, like, you have to hold up this, I mean, like, this face that comes with the name. But then actually dealing with trauma, she's not used to. And Birdie is, like, seeing past is kind of like a, you know, I know this is intense and tough and I'm kind of, like probably have been there too but this is how you deal with it like you know and then yeah. they were just like nope she doesn't need any other guard anymore ptsd and threatening is done it's not like she's still rep- reproductive abilities nope 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 <laughs> you know and i feel like it's in these missing moments that we see how kind of inexperienced the writing is when it comes to translating a word that Elliot had in his mind into scripts for actual TV rather than books. The thing with Bridget could really be seen as a plot hole. As well, the thing that you mentioned with Abigail's PTSD, because I think it was a great thing to show a character like Abigail having PTSD especially because she's the strong one. She's, you know, the one with the whole army family and all of that. And to see her struggle with that was powerful. But then it just disappeared. We just ignore it. And that's not okay. That's not good. That's that's not good representation for people with PTSD because PTSD doesn't just disappear. And it's just not good storytelling. It's not good character development. It's not a good way to tackle an issue. If you were going to just write it off like that, just forget about it after one episode, then perhaps you shouldn't have included it in the first place. Another thing that I feel like was missing, and this, I, I understand why it was done this way, but I do think it shows kind of, again, naive writing and I'm talking about the lack of evidence about Alder's and Kalida's powers because both of them are presented to us as these incredibly powerful witches yet we see more of Rael and Scylla's powers than we see of Alder and Kalida's which I get 
because Rael and Scylla are main characters while Alder and Kalida are secondary characters, at least for season one. Alder is going to be a regular um, next season. But when you were setting up for that kind of finale, and, you know, Kalida, I can understand more because she hasn't had that major of a role yet. But Alder, the, the finale was supposed to be you know, finally seeing her in action and everything. And sure, she was powerful. But first of all, there was no evidence before that of Alder's actual powers because what we see is mostly the biddies, which is not Alder's power. She got help from other very powerful witches to achieve that. And then we're just hit in the finale with this one thing that Alder does. And yeah, it's like... controlling the president. That's like it. Okay, but that and was... Then... The fight scene. But, like, even then, her biddies just went down pretty easily, actually. And then she's completely kind of useless on the field. Like, she's just, like, falling over there. And then Tally's like, oh, I gotta do something. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like, where is this super powerful witch who has survived 300-plus years? The next, I guess, missing moment would be Glory's storyline. We have this... We're introduced to Glory as someone who grew up with Tally in her matrifocal compound, you know, and she pretty much declares that she doesn't want want to die a horrible death. And then we see Glory kind of throughout the the season here and there make appearance like the I think one of the more so heavily appearances is when they all like run into Scylla at the, the pub, you know, and then mm-hmm. we note that she also is given a unit, like the Moffat unit. And part of yep. me has to be like, are they just doing it because we were introduced to these characters and yes. so we don't know who they are? Because I'm like, this yeah. girl threw up during City Drops. She gets news and something and she just went over to the side. <laughs> like, that is not the idea of like a leader. Like, you have Liva, which I understood, the Swythe unit. You have Abigail with the Bellwether. I totally understand that. But Moffin, like, she's just hurling, hurling bricks over there. <laughs> and then, like, the very short storyline she got, like, right before Beltane, when Tally's like, not before, I mean, after Beltane, and Tally's all concerned about Garrett and stuff. And Glory's actually trying to tell her something about herself, like, even. And we get completely cut off from that storyline because Tally's just like, I don't know if I should be angry at him or, like, I still want to see him, like, kind of thing. And then Tally gets up and leaves and Glory's like, great talk, you know? (laughs) We're really not heavily introduced to a lot of side character as that is her. I think there could have been more, especially if they're going to talk about other units that were other than even Libba being kind of a little more screen time or driven we barely hear about her unit or things like that before yeah. her incident came you know yeah all, would, all that we hear about Libba is basically just building up to her death it's just so that we can feel for her and That's that was that so get. frustrating like, okay, girl, get some metal shrapnel shot at her. Like, you know, slice a student's neck. She is fine. Like, you know, major, <laughs> forget any kind of arteries, any important yeah. thing around the neck. No. But, like, some shrapnel hits her, and it's just, it's way too intense for them to fix. Like, I, I mean, you sliced a girl's vocal, like, throat, and you would think that maybe could 
have lasting impacts on her ability to perform any seeds and songs. But no, she's she's all good. Isadora's on it, you know. Libba, no, well, they just have her dead body in a helicopter going. There's a helicopter going, and Abigail's crying in the corner, and Libba's just there, and you're just frustrated because you know that she did not deserve that. Mobilized her to a point where maybe she couldn't fight like on the front line, you know, and see the story of like how I guess maybe trauma to the point of she Mm -hmm. couldn't be a leader anymore or she or genuinely she couldn't perform songs anymore so it's like maybe what do you do with injured do you discharge them do they still work on mm-hmm. bass kind of mm-hmm. you know what i mean like they could have really had a prolonged injury where fixers yeah. can't fix it but they don't kill them you know so what do you do yeah. with them and I the recovery that would have been very interesting yeah and especially for someone who's so headstrong as libba you could have totally had the yes. um, the recovery process. It's kind of like she is like Abigail in a way. And without, I guess, yeah. intently hurting your main character, you could, you know, see the progress and the trauma, the emotional stress and all that stuff past kind of Abigail's trauma with the wedding thing. But her own yeah. personal injury and trauma and how she recovers from that, that could have been such a, a compelling storyline, honestly. Yes, agreed. Another missing moment is with the mushroom. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've talked about this a lot. Uh, But it's basically the thing that we've always said, how the mushroom just kind of disappeared. We just kind of forgot that the mushroom was a thing and that Rael was still connected to it. And then it was suddenly brought back in the finale, but not even like talked about, just shown in the explosion in the very ending, which wasn't, you know, great. And it was kind of a plot hole. Oh, I do have another missing moment, which is the council, the council of witches that we see in Abedi's life. So, oh, so, yeah. so what? We saw them for like five minutes and then that was it. <laughs> Last week, I think it was last week at least, we got a request from Linda, who loves the podcast. She asked us to make a Motherland for Salem playlist. And so we did. So the playlist we made starts with The Reckoning by Within Temptation. I chose this song as from the perspective of witches and possibly the spree i am not going to explain to you guys why but you should listen to it i love this song it might not be everybody's cup of tea because it's symphonic metal but her voice is amazing and it's just a beautiful song and you should listen to the lyrics because i think they fit next song is dirty work by hailstorm this would be from the perspective of Alder, because <laughs> the song goes, basically, uh, the song is a woman who's looking for a younger partner to do her dirty work. And, well, Alder does kind of have seven biddies. <laughs> she Used to Be Mine by Sarah Borelli's. This is a regular song. Like, it's, it's clearly, you can even tell from the title I Don't Do Boys by Electra. Who could this ever 
before i i can absolutely picture rael just dancing and singing to this song in her bedroom at night when nobody can see her because it's what i do <laughs> i didn't just kiss her jen foster this song is quite explicit the first lines go i didn't just kiss her we went all the way and i liked it what's the point in trying to hide it and i just i can't not picture Scylla just singing this to anacostia at the wedding like as soon as Rael leaves she would be she would break into a song and just sing this to anacostia except like <laughs> the song then goes on to say that the other girl um is now like trying to ignore it say that she had just that she was just drunk real would never deny it like yeah she meant oh no it. she's not helpful she she like this she's a hopeless hopeless gay who would just be like <laughs> yeah i did that <laughs> there's no denying i did that <laughs> yeah okay we have a uh, honey by kalani right i think that this song kind of fits for abigail the song describes how the singer likes her partners to be and it is a sapphic song and i mean my head canon for abigail is that she's not straight and i've talked about this in a previous episode in a recent one i think abigail would agree with the song walk me home by pink i think that this is a very cute song if we apply it to tally Mm-hmm. I tried to like come up with something for each character. I don't know if I got Tally right. I got another couple of songs because I wasn't sure for her. Like a virgin, maybe? <laughs> oh, I mean, not anymore. No, not anymore, but I before, guess, yeah. <laughs> I'll Never Love Again by Lady Gaga. I think this fits both for Rael and Tally in the way that they're both very dramatic about their loves. And Rael is a dramatic gay. Tally is just dramatic. One by Ed Sheeran. Again, I thought this was a cute song that could fit Tally. I guess Tally was kind of the hardest one for me. Best thing I never had, Beyonce. I thought that this was so Abigail. I love this song and I can kind of picture Abigail singing this song. Be the one, Dua Lipa. This is my Libigil song. Hostage by Billie Eilish. Scylla's point of view. Absolutely. Do I need to say more? No. You know, the whole prison <laughs> dungeon experience or torture dungeon. <laughs> Dancing with Your Ghost by Sasha Sloan. This is definitely another Libigil song, but also kind of Rayla, just because at some point Rayla did think that Scylla was dead. So I just... I just feel like it fits and it's just a song that gets to me a lot. I love, love this song. And the first time that I listened to it, Libba was still alive. Yes, I am glaring at Elliot at a distance. So it was for me, it was more of a realist song, like angst, angsty feels. Uh and then it it, it kind of became true in too many ways. And now I regret it. <laughs> Song for the Godless Beyond the Black. 
Uh, this is another song that I feel like fits the whole community of witches because it goes, sing me a song for the voiceless, a song for our daughters and sons. Sing me a song of our heroes so long since gone. And time after time and night after night, we're still here in the dark and day after day, not fading away. I just really like it and I feel like it can be seen from the perspective of witches living in the world post-Salem Accord. Okay, yeah. I have to listen to it. This is For My Girls by Zendaya, Janelle Monet, Kelly Rowland, Kelly Clarkson, and other various artists. So this is the Michelle Obama's song. And... It's a very energetic song. I kind of like the headcanon of Anacostia loving this song. So I don't know necessarily if it's from her perspective or something, but I can just picture Anacostia loving this song and I wanted a song for Anacostia. So this is it. Afterlife by Haley Steinfeld. Well, Libba, because she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that was just short to the point because she did. <laughs> uh, of course, girls like girls, Haley Kiyoko. I mean, you would think that I thought of Rael for this song, but no, it was Glory that was on my mind. Pussy is God by King Princess. So, so this is like from the perspective of any suffigure ever but <laughs> i kind of put it on the list for glory and scylla Rael probably agrees too but i don't know i just feel like glory and scylla would be singing it together i get those vibes that's my head can and i think that would be very cute <laughs> and libba would definitely join but she's dead so she can't girls by beatrice eli glory and Rael's point of view just listen to it. It's, it. it's done. Love Me Like You Do, originally by Ellie Golding, but this cover specifically by Anna Free and London Ellis. This, for me, is from Tally's point of view. Hero by Alesso and Tove Lowe. This one and the next one were suggested by Linda, who requested the playlist, so I'm going to give her explanation. And for this one, she says that it's because basically she tried to apply this to all uh, the main characters. And it would be because Rael wanted to be a hero in her own garbage, hot garbage plan. Um, Tally thought the army was her hero. Abigail's family and her legacy kind of need her to be a hero. And Scylla is looking for a hero in her life. And then we have, of course, Ocean Eyes by Billie Eilish. This is clearly because of, you know, Amalia's and Taylor's beautiful blue eyes. It's a really pretty song, though, too, which was also featured in a scene um, in Marvel The Runaways um, with, uh, was it? I don't even know their ship name. Shit. Dinoru? Yeah, Dinoru. They they had the like ocean eyes when they first kiss. That's the song that's mm-hmm. playing. 
that was the playlist. Um, let us know if you agree, if you want something else to be added onto it. We plan on releasing the playlist after this episode has aired, so keep an eye out for the link. That is all for today. Give us feedback, send us your comments about the episode. Let us know if there is anything that you want us to discuss on the podcast. Stay safe and thank you for tuning in. Onward to glory, soldiers.